The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. I'm joined as ever by Greg Evans and Holly Percival. How are we both? I'll come to you first, Holly. I'm good, thank you. Excited that football is quickly approaching. Yeah, looking for... Still, and it isn't, though. Still a week away for Villa having a game. Still, still feel so far away. I feel like I haven't watched Villa play for, for years, the way it's going at the moment. Greg, who occupies himself by covering other Midlands football when there's no Aston Villa games. How are you? Good, thanks, Dan. Yeah, yeah, life's good. Um, been been quite busy. Been look, looking out my window. It's like nice, nice bright sky today, so I'm quite happy. Yeah, the birds are chirping again, so life's good. I mean, I imagine you both quite pleased the transfer window shut, to be fair, because it's been keeping you busy. I mean, both of us, me and Harley, yeah, we've been, <laughs> we've been snowed under the, the news team at the Athletic are incredible. Um, the, the way they were able to turn around some of the stories, uh, you know, through across a whole um, across the whole Premier League, the Championship and abroad was incredible. And there was a lot going on at Villa as well. So, yeah, me and Holly in closer contact th- throughout the throughout the month, yeah. There actually is plenty to get through today, surprisingly. I didn't think there'd be much, but there's actually a fair few questions been sent in and a lot for us to chew the fat on. But before we get into it and start with the transfer roundup, I'm going to come to both of you and ask you again, Holly, first, grade Villa's transfer window. Out of ten, oof. Yeah, I'm gonna say uh, out of ten. Do it that way rather 10. than rather than the school grade way that I was made to do on a podcast. <laughs> well, they change all the time. I feel like so. Um, out of ten seems the best option. I would go a seven and a half. Ooh, low. That was lower than I was anticipating. That's lower. I thought. Yeah, I was going to go eight, but I changed very last minute. I mean, if you've gone if you've gone seven and a half, what's, what's Grumpy Greg gonna say? Uh, I reckon you'll go higher, won't you? You'll go higher. I'm gonna go nine out of ten. Yeah, nine. I, mean, I, think, I think that's high. I'm going to go 9 out of 10. If I very quickly explain my reasons, um, I think Villa missed out on a defensive midfielder, which was a bit of a blow. Um, if they'd have got a defensive midfielder, it was a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, or or nine, and a half, 9 and a half out of 10. It's hard to give 100%, isn't it? Um, but but 9 and a half for sure. Um, the way I look at it is that the four players that have come in have all improved the individual positions uh, that they were signed at. And... Villa were able to tie Emmy Martinez down to a long-term deal and keep yeah, Courtney Horses. Kind of gone under the radar. They were big, big moments. Yeah. I'm going to go 8.5, I think. Holly, you really did go in low. Really, really I forgot about the Martinez new contract, so can I can I change mine to an no, 8, you please? Stuck, you, stuck, I feel... you stuck at 7.5. Can I quickly justify? Yeah, go on then. <laughs> I've, I'm slightly... Um, upset with some of the out- loan outgoings. I was kind of hoping some players would stay and, and be in- involved in the team still. So I'm a little bit sad to see some players go out on loan for the rest of the season. So that's why I initially put it down at 7.5. Well, I thought this. I was a little bit upset about it. And then I saw an excellent tweet that basically said that Villa have kept their squad size. It's exactly the same, pr- pretty much. But they've just they've improved the quality of personnel. So target's gone. Luca Dean's replaced him. You'd probably say that's a that's an upgrade. El Ghazi's essentially gone out for Coutinho. Again, you'd probably say that was an upgrade. Olsen for Steer. I, I can't say I know whether that's an, an upgrade or not. And then Twan Zabi's loan's been cancelled and they've replaced him with a permanent transfer in Callum Chambers, which you could say is potentially a, be- a better thing for the club. So numbers-wise, we're pretty much where we were at, weren't we, Greg? Yeah, and I think you've got, you know, Trezeguet and obviously El Ghazi have gone out on loan or Trezeguet will go out on loan before the... the but he hasn't played anyway all season, has he? And, so I don't and really... they, they, haven't, they haven't played really much, that much. And um, you've got Bailey and Bertrand Traore coming back. So 
the, the match day squad when those two guys are back is going to be so much stronger. And if you look at it, only four or five weeks ago, there was a lot of kids on the bench. I think I know it was probably COVID related um, and African Cup uh, of Nations affected. But if, if I remember that that Norwich game, there was I think every every substitute was a was a youngster almost. So mm. um, the, the squad will look a lot stronger for for the next few games. Well, as is the peak podcast way, for the time Callum Chambers, about 20 minutes after we published our episode of 1874 last week, Holly, took everyone by surprise. How pleased are you with that? I think it's a really good signing. And I remember seeing the uh, tweet of him in the Villa kit first before seeing the actual one with the link to the full story. And I assumed that it was on a loan signing. So I was massively surprised to see that it was on a, on a permanent deal and... I think he's probably a better backup than Courtney Horse because he's so versatile and can play in a variety of positions. So I'm very happy with it and I'm excited to, to see how he plays. And I kind of probably, I know that some Arsenal fans are not thrilled that we've let him go and Arsenal also didn't uh, opt to extend his contract as well, which yeah, could have bizarre. potentially meant more, getting more money out of, of Callum Chambers when he left. Um, so I think it's a really good bit of business for Villa, but yeah, definitely took everyone by surprise. I think it's probably a certain amount of goodwill from Arsenal that a long-serving player's got the chance to move so that, that, that they've let him do it without having to go through all that contract stuff and being good to him. So fair play to Arsenal in that respect, a, a classy move from them. Greg, it's not often that neither of us have heard a murmur of a player coming in, but I think this is one that neither of us saw coming at all. Not in this window. I have to admit that did come as a surprise to me. Um, I think I'd mentioned to you in the summer, I'd not done that the Villa were considering Chambers. Yeah, you did. Um, if, if you, went, you went back and found the went back and found the message and, and showed me. That's <laughs> how surprised I was. Yeah, uh, trying to cover my tracks somehow. No, but um, it, it did come as a surprise to me. I, I know that uh, other people outside of the club were aware of the story, um, but uh, but Villa made, managed to, to to announce it themselves without it largely getting out at all. So fair play to them, you know, look, they, they pride themselves um, in, in announcing news like that, I suppose, in, in a similar way that a journalist prides himself in getting an exclusive. So in some ways, I can understand it. Um, Villa want to do their business in a private way like that. And and, and um, I think the fans the fans quite like it, don't they? They like to know that their, their club is handling things um, without sort of outside interference. So yeah, look, I'm, I'm fine with that. If you've ever played for Southampton and Villa are trying to sign you, there's every chance it will be kept secret because that's two now who've got Southampton links that have, have been kept dead quiet, Greg. Yeah, I don't think there's any correlation between the Southampton links there, Dan. You may, may be looking a little bit too deep into that. Well, you're doing detective um, work, Greg. You've got to look at the links. two individual deals. Uh, <laughs> and if you uh, remember the Danny Ings story, we knew that well in advance of Villa announcing it. So We did, but we had to be quiet, didn't we? Didn't want to be on the naughty steps, so we had to be very, very quiet with that one. We've got John C. It says John C. on real time here, which I'm presuming means he's he's come onto the Athletic website and asked this question. Holly, he's saying, I'm wondering whether you think we could see Chambers playing as a defensive midfielder. I know he played well there for Fulham on loan, but not sure what Villa's plan is for him. What do you reckon? It's an interesting one, and I actually spoke to Art, who covers Arsenal for the Athletic, about Chambers and, and his versatility and potentially playing in that role. And, and he said he reckons he could do a good job. However, I'm not sure I can see him going in there ahead of Douglas Louise unless, you know, Louise falls out of favour um, with Gerard potentially, but I don't see that happening. And I guess it also is just a matter of time as to how long until Nakamba can return. So I think for now, I, I think the kind of midfield players will be the ones that have been used most recently. But... I think it's, again, it's a good option. It'll hopefully ch- push Douglas Weiss to make sure he's training at the best he can be and playing at the best he can be because it's just another option of a player that he could lose that position to. 
I guess Greg is emergency cover in, in a couple of positions. He's been brought in to be a third-choice centre-back cover concert, I presume, but then he can also cover right-back defensive midfield. And I've seen some people say he can play left-back as well, which I, I don't think I'd be too keen to see that. I mean, look, you know, he's not a specialist left-back, but I think all good full-backs can play on both sides, can't they? You know, we, we've, we've seen players at Villa in the past do that. Ahmed Al-Hamadi played on both sides when called upon. Um, Chambers will probably say it's probably his fourth favourite position. Um, but if, you know, real desperate needs then 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 he can but I think what Villa like is versatility in their players you know we've seen that now in a lot of their recent signings you go back to Bertrand Traore who can play um you know on the wing or down the middle because he's done that in the past Ashley Young can play in a variety of positions and now Callum Chambers it, it just helps if you've got really good strong quality players um who can be in your squad and play in a variety of positions it helps cover and I think the, the three players that I've mentioned there, the, the utility players almost, none of them are really going to be first choice players, but they could very easily be called upon if needed. I like the term multifunctional. Multifunctional players, that's that's what I like to call them. That, that's, that's the buzz phrase for me. It's always an interesting one to know what their thoughts are. I mean, yeah, maybe a wider piece on the athletic at some point with, with players who've played in lots of positions. I mean, oh, for, it for, would have been an ideal top three if we still did that. <laughs> yeah, top, would that would top three <laughs> multifunctional players. Honestly, I mean, for some players that they they'll like it because they'll like the variety. Um, they will like the fact that clubs are um, are interested in them and, and managers uh, are interested in them because of the variety of positions they can play in. I mean, you look at James Milner, where he's played for teams over the course of his career, a classic example. But then on the other hand, you know, players like to have their own position and, and, and then they back themselves to be the best in that specific position yeah. because you can be thrown around a little bit too much and that utility tag almost can go against you. So it can work either way, can't it? Milner's a good example and I would say it's worked against him because his best football was when he was settled in central midfield playing for Villa under Martin O'Neill. And then he goes to Man City, Liverpool, and plays all over the place. But you're in and out when that's happening. Mm. If you ask Milner when his best football was, I bet you he'd say when he played central midfield for Villa. So it's interesting. It, it can work both ways. Now, Greg, we need the scoop from you on this. Villa's defensive midfield search ended with nothing, as we know. And Spurs, Benson Kerr ended up going there. Were we in for him? What was the story with that? I've got a theory of what I think happened, but you'll, you'll know the truth, so you, well, I'll let you tell us. I've tried to explain this the best I could in the in the transfer window wrap-up on, on The Athletic. So for any of the listeners that haven't read that, go, go and read that now, and that there's, there's a clear explanation there as to what happened. Um, to put it briefly into words, Villa were after Yves Bissouma in the summer. Um, they considered moving on Douglas Louise in the summer and would certainly would have listened to offers um, at a respectable value. Those offers didn't come. Bissouma was deemed too expensive then. And also Brighton were asking for £45 million plus for him in January. So that's a lot of money when he's going to be going down to 12 months uh, remaining on his contract in the summer. So that was an issue for Villa. They didn't feel comfortable paying £45 million for Bissouma at this point. They then move on to a list of other potential targets of which there were four or five. The ones that we definitely know about were Rodrigo Bensico, uh, Bubakar Kamara at Marseille. Glenn Kamara is somebody that Ranger, um, that Steven Gerrard knows from his time at Rangers and would have come into the thinking. He's just signed a, a new contract at, at Rangers only recently though, so that came, that brought its own issues. Um, what we do know is that Villa had scouts 
over in in Italy watching Benton Court for months. Um, you know, right back to sort of the back end of October into November, December, and and January. They watched his last game for Juventus before the international break in San Siro against AC Milan. Um, and we understand that they had a price that they would have liked or considered paying for um, Juventus for him, but they couldn't they couldn't agree those terms. And 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 then Tottenham came in and and um, he moved for nineteen million euros plus six million euros with add-ons. So reading between the lines somewhere, Villa didn't want to quite pay that much. Mm, interesting. I think the. Uh... The director of football at, at Spurs has has he worked at Juventus previously, or he's got a relationship with with Juve that that probably helped push that deal over the line for Spurs, didn't it? Yeah, and, and look, you know, we we don't know the full ins and outs. Perhaps if if Villa got wind of of Tottenham's interest and knew that that deal would be easier for Tottenham to to pull off, uh, then, then then they backed out at the last minute, perhaps. But you know, that these are conversations that we we're just not privy to. We don't know what Christian Perslow and and the board are talk, you know, the talking board to board level. Um, but yeah, if you if you read the if you read the article, it goes into as much detail as we know. Spurs took two players as well, taking Kuvaleski from from Juventus on loan as well. I think you know people don't realise sometimes transfers are so complicated and there's so many moving parts of them and so many things that that happen. Even the fact they were just taking two players was probably an, an advantage to Spurs. I think you're right. Villa may well have just decided to call it off the back of that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Holly, the trouble is with Stephen Gerrard. He says quite a lot in his press conferences and his, and his interviews. So he said he wanted three strikers, yet we've ended the transfer window with two because Cameron Archer and Keenan Davis have ended up going off on loan, both both in the goals actually, with their loan moves as well. That's something that concerns you if we get an injury. If there's an injury, 100%, I would be slightly concerned because both Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins work to the maximum of their capabilities. So if if one is injured, but then the other continues to work at full capacity, the the risk of injury is, is also very high for them. Um, I mean, it's great to see Cameron Archer getting first-team football at, at Preston and, and already on the score sheet for them and, and providing um, the goals that they kind of have been looking for. But I would have liked to have seen him stay and be that solid third option at Villa. And I think he's reliable. He showed that against Chelsea in the FA Cup. And I definitely think he's ready to step up to that challenge. So I was also quite surprised to see him go, like you said, when when Gerard had been talking about potentially having a third. And then you see kind of the, the next best option go out on loan. So it'll be interesting to see what Gerard's game plan is. Maybe that means that we won't play a, a front two because that means that he can rotate between the two he currently has. 
quite like us not to play a front two and play both of them at the moment. I think it should be one or, or the other. And I'm very that. excited about Buendia and Coutinho playing off, playing off the striker. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to see them playing together over the next few games, that's for sure. Another thing Stephen Gerrard said, Greg, is when we signed Luca Dean, we've challenged Matt Target. We wanted to push Luca Dean and have two players fighting for every position. But then Matt Target goes off on loan to Newcastle with no obligation to buy. Again, reading between the lines a little bit. That tells me that Matt Target didn't want to fight for his place. Yeah, I, I think it, there's a bit more to it than that, Dan. I think Matt Target is going to be frustrated because he has he's lost his place. Of course, he is. You tell me one Premier League player who isn't annoyed when they've lost their place in the team. So he's going to know that Luca Dean plays every game, providing he stays fit. So when Newcastle come in for him and show the interest, that appeals to him immediately. Villa are looking at it and they're thinking, well. We've got a 26-year-old here who probably is a little bit older than we would have liked as as a backup left-back. We maybe want someone a little bit younger in, in that role, maybe you know early 20s to mid-20s. 37-year-old Ashley Young. <laughs> Plus, they've obviously got Ashley Young, who they know his contract expires at the end of the season. And, and, and there is cover in that spot, place. Let, let's be honest, there's cover in that spot. So they're probably looking at it thinking, if Target goes out on loan and plays every game or plays regularly, his value is going to maintain. Whereas if he stays at Villa and doesn't play, his value is going down. And there's a chance that if he if he performs well for Newcastle, they'll buy him regu- they'll buy him permanently. And that for me would make good business sense because if Villa get through the, the second half of the season without Luca Dean getting an injury, fantastic. If they do, then Ashley Young comes in. If Ashley Young and Luca Dean both get injured, then we're, we're heading into an area where it's really genuinely unfortunate anyway, and there's not really much you can do about it. So I think supporters have to realise that Villa, that the owners, Nassif Sawiris and Wes Edens, are running a business still. They have to move on players and want to move on players for profit in the future. The, Villa for too long... Have, have let players go for nothing. And I mean, look, you know, you look at the players that they that they sort of let go and paid off. Yotta, uh, Orion Nyland, Berke Bjarnason, wasted money, you know, Lansbury, Ross McCormack, the list goes on and on and on. Villa need to start making some profit off players. And th- there were some encouraging signs for me in this last window. Atletico Madrid were interested in Matty Cash, genuinely interested. Don't think they ever got to the level where they bid for him, but they might do in the summer. Villa aren't interested in selling him, but it shows that they can move a player on for a profit if they want to. Target might be in that category in, in the summer. Douglas Louise, there were there were bids that were rejected for him. Villa Villa are growing into a team that are actually very valuable in assets in, in value now. So it, it's, it's a positive thing, I think. Yeah, apologies to Christopher Phillips who basically asked that question and we've answered everything before I got the chance to name check him. But I'm name checking you now, Christopher. So actually, you don't need to worry at all. Regan L, he's working in real time as well, Holler. He wants to know if Villa will be targeting Hickey in the summer. Yeah, I think they will. I know nothing about Hickey. Greg gave you the, the, Greg Greg gave Greg. the nod. He gave you the nod. Yeah, so so Hickey, for those of you who don't know, he's, he's a young uh, right back who, who's currently playing for Bologna. Is he a left back? Uh, sorry, left back. Well, he can play right back. He, he's, he actually <laughs> does play both sides, but he, he currently plays left back, but has been described as one of the most two-footed players um, people who've worked with him have ever seen. So, look, another one that Villa Villa like because of his versatility. Um, Villa stressed that there was no interest in them in him in in this window, but they may go back. They may go in for him in the summer. So that's one we'll have to monitor. 
He's basically the new Kieran Tierney, isn't he? Essentially. Well, I mean, look, if he if he if he gets to that level, then yeah, excellent. Um, you know, Scott Scotland have got quite a few decent left-sided wide players at the moment, haven't they? So he's just adding to it. But then, would he be happy to come in and be back up? I would assume not. Oh, well, I mean, possibly not. But you know, look, he's playing playing at a good level in Isla. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think if you move exactly. over to if you move over to to Villa and 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 part of this exciting project, then I think that would appeal as well. True. Got just a dreamer on Twitter. I presume that's not a real name. He asked about Timo Rogbenham. Greg, yeah, does he have a chance of playing this season? Because Villa, perhaps, obviously, not they didn't bring in that midfielder, so there's a space in the squad with Nakamba out as well. So he probably spend a lot of time on the bench. You, mm. you imagine? I'll do a bit of a name drop here. I was mixing it with Chris Brunt last week, Greg, as as you know, working working around the Premier League studios with Chris Brunt, and he was raving about him. Oh look! If you speak to anybody associated with West Brom, they're really they're devastated that that Albion lost him. They rate him very highly. Mm, yeah, I did have Phillip. a smile on my face when he when he was talking about it. To be honest, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the games I've watched him play for the under twenty threes, he's he's looked really confident, really assured there in the middle. Him and Reiki, when the two of them play together for the under twenty threes, are just a you know a level way above above the twenty threes. That both of them have outgrown um, that level already. I think what what. What's interesting with Iribonum is that he's still only 18 years old. I mean, so young. Um, and there was some late talk about him possibly moving out on loan, but because he's been on the bench for the last five or six games without getting on, he's looked at as the next sort of defensive midfield option with Nakambra injured and, and um, Louise um, filling in. We'll take a short break, but just before we do, just a reminder that at the moment you can subscribe to The Athletic now with a 33% discount by going to theathletic.com slash villapod. You'll get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Been lots of good transfer window from Greg, Ollie Kay, David Ornstein and all the other great writers at The Athletic and also our own Holly Percival's article on the Jill Scott signing for Aston Villa women. Plus also, guys, there was a roundtable of athletic writers reviewing the transfer window across all clubs. And incredibly, all four said that Villa did the best business. And Dom Fifield also inexplicably said Newcastle did the worst. The producers asked me to say that. That's not necessarily my opinion. But what do we make of that? Do, do, we think, do you agree with that, Holler? Villa did the best business across all the clubs? 100%. I think, like Greg said, Villa trying to, you know, be a business ultimately and, and make the best deals in terms of financially and for the team so I think they've been very well structured and, and made the best signings in terms of bolstering the areas that definitely needed bolstering and while we missed out on a central defensive midfielder I think I think I think we'll be fine without that so in my opinion the best business so Villa did the best business but earlier on when I asked you to write the transfer in there's a 7.5 <laughs> yeah, because, okay, okay. <laughs> so did everyone else do, do what everyone else get less than 7.5 yeah I'm a harsh critic I'm a harsh well, critic no I just I hate to go too optimistic when we've not seen everyone you know f- feature as often and, and stuff so I mean I probably jumped the gun a little bit by ordering a Coutinho shirt straight after the Man U game but um, I'm you know, I'm, I want to give everyone time I want to yeah. give everyone time I'm definitely going to get a Brazil one his goal did you see his goal last night I mean we'll come on to that shortly but what, what a goal Greg would you go along with that Villa did the best business um, do you know what I think Newcastle have had a bit of stick for for, for, for some of the signings that have made but I actually think they've, they've had a really good window I think it's, it's very hard to, to operate like that in January and, and, and get so many players in I think they've got a nice little mix there Grimara she's going to be a really Really exciting player to watch. Um, somebody I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing. Um, and I think they've signed, you know, tried and trusted 
Premier League performers in, in Chris Wood, in, in obviously Matt Target, Dan Byrne. I mean, to take a striker, to take the best striker off one of your relegation rivals is a big is a big thing for me. Um, yeah, I agree. So I think they've had a, I think I'd probably put them just slightly ahead of Villa in terms of the window, purely because not in terms of the not in not in terms of the actual players that they signed, in terms of how they improved their team. Yeah, dramatically. I, I, I can go, I can go on board with what you're saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah you know, I, do. Like, I, I wouldn't I do. wouldn't swap Villa signings for Newcastle signings. No, but the way that they've improved their team is at a greater level than Villa have. I think. I would say with Newcastle, they got there in the end. Yeah, yeah. Took the whole window. Look, I mean, it was, a, it was a mad, mad window for them. Yeah. Our writers have done an incredible job putting together all the ins and outs and, and what might have happened and what didn't happen. But um, yeah, whether they stay up or not is another matter. Yeah, Newcastle and Everton writers. They must have had a busier month than you, Greg, writing about the transfer window. Managerial stuff as well for the Everton guys. Yeah, don't envy them at all. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. That's a lovely ball finding Coutinho in space. Oh, what a goal! That's a fabulous strike by Philippe Coutinho. The ball into his feet was glorious, but it's a wonderful finish. And if Brazil can get this little fella firing again, after a miserable couple of years, then they will be glad indeed, because that's what he can do. While one Villa midfielder did travel to Brazil to put in a very encouraging performance against Paraguay, another stayed in the UK to reflect on an interesting few days. That goal last night, Holla, Coutinho, did you see it? I mean, everyone has been saying on Twitter that this this goal sh- it was is a replica of prime Philip Coutinho, yes. which which makes me excited because if he is well and truly back, like everyone on Twitter has been saying, then it will definitely be an exciting period when when he returns and Villa are back playing football. So if he repl- if he replicates that goal in a Villa shirt, I think the whole of the Villa fan base will have a men- mental breakdown because it would be hands up a contender for the best goal of the season in the Premier League. Um, I just again. I know a lot of people were saying to me in the office today, don't go on the podcast and just talk relentlessly about that Coutinho goal. It wasn't even in what? a Villa shirt, so he can't talk about it. I don't know. They, I think they're a bit mad because we have Coutinho. Um, no, but I think I think it's good to see him back and, and fully fit and, and, and firing for both for Villa and for his club, so it's nice. All the smart asses would tell me he was wearing the number 11 shirt. I get that. But Greg, how mad is it that Brazil's number 10 is playing for Aston Villa Football Club? 
he he still have to. He, I just laughed when I was when he when I, when his first game when he came off the bench and scored nearly set up a goal and scored and I thought, wow, you know how times have changed covering this club. Um, fantastic to see someone like Coutinho uh, playing, and I'm really excited to to see what he can do. As Holly said, it's, it's a genuinely exciting time, isn't it? Look, he was terrible against Everton. Let's be honest, he, he gave the ball terrible. Oh, maybe terrible is a bit too average. Hard. I would say okay, average. Okay, let's say average. Maybe terrible is a bit wrong. Turned into Holly Percival. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He underperformed against Everton. He just was a pace. He was a, just not on. Just not on the same level as those around him. Uh, gave the ball away too much. But I think with regular game time, um, more matches under his belt, I think we're going to see a bit of magic at some point. Brilliant goal, of course. Yeah. You know, to answer your question, fantastic goal. Unbelievable goal. Really, really enjoyed seeing that when I woke up this morning. Someone else who's always very, very busy must sleep at his desk. I'm pretty sure. David Ornstein. He wrapped up the Douglas Louise situation. Wrapped up. He rounded up the Douglas Louise situation quite nicely on his Twitter page. Aston Villa turned down three bids for Douglas Louise in the last week of the January window, the most recent being on deadline day. Villa wants to secure the 23-year-old Brazil midfielder to a new contract. His current one runs out in 2023. The Man City buyback clause has expired, but Manchester City do still have a sell-on. What's going on with this, Greg? Look, I mean, confusing. This, this is a, this is a confusing situation, and it's difficult to get accurate details around this. David Ornstein does an excellent job trying to to fill everything out, and um, you know the, the updates that he provided um, on the on the transfer window were very insightful. I think if Villa do sign him to a new deal, it will largely be now because they couldn't get rid of him for the money that they wanted. Um, we, we don't know the uh, valuations of the bids that were lodged, but clearly they didn't. Um, do, do we know meet. the clubs? <laughs> well, do, you know, this is the thing, isn't it? It's all very secretive, all very quiet. So we, we're trying to find out exactly, you know, what happened. Um, we, we know that Villa tried to keep their business as, as private as possible. So finding out finer details um, isn't always as straightforward as it as it might seem. So, yeah. Your job must be a nightmare compared to some of the other club journalists, Greg. Yeah, look, it's not easy. Look, can, that, can't you see the wrinkles on my forehead? You know, I used to be a nice, clean-cut man. Now I'm just stressed and my hair's going I don't these times. <laughs> <laughs> look, it is difficult, but, you, you know, it's part of the job. You have to try and be as accurate and... Um, and fair as possible. So I, I'm, I'm only trying to explain what I know. I think if Filler had have got a very a very serious offer that that would have appealed to them, they would have accepted. What will probably happen now is that he signs a new contract, largely because Villa will need to protect the asset. You know, if he goes down into his final twelve months of the of the contract, um, and and obviously Man City are owed a chunk of any saleable any future transfer fee. Um, Villa might not be getting too much from him if he moves. So it would make sense now for Villa at Douglas Louise's age to extend his contract. Um, possibly playing further up as well because that's where he wants to play. He's so good against Man City further up. He wants to be a number first. eight. So and it's good. like at the moment, Villa just can't play him there because there's no other defensive midfielder in there. Um, you know, the, the reason he, he's the best of, the, of what they've got in defensive midfield. So... Um, and I'm, and I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm just saying he's going to be better in advanced midfield. Yeah. I mean, Villa do have a secret weapon to keep Douglas Louise, Louise at the club hollow. Alicia Lyman. You wouldn't want to break that power couple up, would you? They are they are a very sweet couple. And it, it's yeah, great to see I can tell you they're both. very much in love from the Instagram stuff I saw. I mean, it's great to see Douglas Louise playing so consistently for the men's team and then Alicia Lehman also, you know, 
providing really well for the women's team. So I think if both would stay at Villa for for at the very least another season, I think both would be be great assets to both teams. Um, but they are they are a sweet couple, and uh, you know, moving up potentially across the country or overseas from each other would would make that difficult. So I guess maybe it is a slight positive that they're in a relationship together. Yeah, maybe a double new contract. Who knows? I don't know whether those things are, are possible. We'll certainly see what happens because they they need to sort that out. It's like Greg says, they can't get to the last twelve months. That they'd have to do something. Right then, some excellent pun work here. Keenan Davis pulling up trees. So says Forest writer Paul Taylor. Greg, I've watched him a couple of times actually, and I've been really impressed with him at Forest. Yeah, he's doing well. He's he's in he's in and among the goals, and it's really good for Keenan actually. Um, I I think he's a top striker in the Championship for sure. And I think there's there's potential for him to feature in the, in the Premier League at some point again. Um, just needs to keep fit and get those runner goals continuing. And Tyler Hawkins wants to know, Holly, of all the youngsters out on loan, who do we see as benefiting the most? Also, who do we think the club wants to see improvement from the most? I mean, I'm imagining they might want to see a bit more from Louis Barry on a loan spell because they didn't see anything of him at Ipswich. But of all the loans gone out, Holly, who do you see benefiting the most? I think you're spot on in terms of wanting to see improvement from the most with Louis Barry. Uh, that was 100% the player that came to mind when you asked that. In terms of benefiting the most, I think it has to be between, for me, Keenan Davis and Cameron Archer. You could tell how much that first goal Keenan Davis got for Forrest meant to him and, and that boost of confidence that he's kind of probably been looking for for quite some time now um, because his, his goals for Villa haven't been the highest of numbers as that main striker. Um and then for Cameron Archer, he needs to kind of show why he should be Villa's third choice or potentially even push him for that second place if Danny Ings or Ollie Watkins aren't performing well. So if he can go to Preston and be scoring consistently in the championship and helping them push for promotion, then I think he could benefit from the most in, in terms of returning in the summer. Yeah, Cameron Archer, the bowman. Greg, Kane Kessler-Hayden, to be fair, he's another one. He did very, very well at Swindon in League Two. He's now mm. moved up a level to League One with MK Dons. He's got a, he's got a bright bright future, hasn't he? I think he'll he'll be in and around the first team squad next season, so it's a, it's a big loan for him. Yeah, it's a, it's a big loan for him. St- steps up to another level, doesn't he? He's in, got moved to an MK Dons team who are trying to win promotion from League One, so, so that'll be exciting for him. And you know, under a bit of pressure as well to to, to go and perform at that level. Um, I think Villa will be keeping a, a real close eye on, on Davis and and an arch an Archer, as as Holly said. I think those are the two that they want to see um, a real improvement here just so that they know that perhaps maybe one of them could be the third choice striker or whether they could actually get a sizable transfer fee for one of them, if not. Um, I, I, I actually think Reiki will benefit the most from for, out of all the players really? to, to have gone out alone. I think Reiki will benefit the most, providing he plays them um, regular. Didn't quite work out for him at Stockport, but he, he's moved to Grimsby. Now, I know, I know it's National League level, but I just think if he gets a run of games... He could um, he could be somebody who kicks on in the future. Maybe, maybe not for Villa's first team. Maybe it might be too much of an ask, but I think he will have a very good career. Quite confident in that. Yeah, in other news, the under-23s lost to Newcastle last night, I think it was. And also, Villa's first team had a friendly against Brentford. Can't do anything against them in competitive games in the league, but put them in a friendly, Greg, and they win 2-1. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Funny, isn't it? <laughs> I was getting, oh, actually, I always... actually annoyed me. One of those things yeah. annoyed me. I almost tweeted when Coutinho signed, but I thought, no, I just, I just hold back. I was going to tweet, oh, maybe Villa, Villa are big enough to beat Brentford now, but I thought, no, nah, probably, can't do it, probably best not. But, <laughs> um, 
No, well, it was funny to see Villa beat Brentford because they are the bogey team, aren't they? But one day it'll happen, I'm sure. Yeah, then there was an expected fourth round exit in the Women's FA Cup and a big game coming up with West Ham in the WSL next. Really good transfer window for Villa women as, as well, Hollis. That's probably about a four out of ten on the Percival scale. <laughs> Oh, that's good banter. Yeah, that's that's top quality. Yeah, I will um, say it was put in the script <laughs> for me to say. Passing the blame on. Um, no, it was a very good window again. Um, I think Carla Ward's done business in the right areas of the pitch for Villa. Um, I think Anna Patton is probably one of the the key signings for them in terms of defensively they have struggled in, in keeping clean sheets or, or um, just trying not to concede on counter-attacks. So I think it's really good. Jill Scott... Um, like you mentioned, there's an article on the Athletic website um, on the news page. And I think she is really good in terms of providing education to the younger players. Villa have a lot of amazing youth players that are consistently being selected for England under-19 and under-17 camps. Um, and I think Jill Scott will be key for them. Do I think that she'll be in the in the starting eleven? I really don't. I think I think Villa have got too much of a strong defense, uh, defensive midfield options already. So maybe Jill will be a good impact sub. Let's end with a question from John T. Bonte. Then I think John T. Bonte must watch every podcast I do because I'm sure I see him in the comments better for everything. If you, if you do, John T. Bonte, thank you. I was added really ungrateful. I'm, I'm really happy that you watch all my podcasts. So if everyone we've ever worked with in podcasting was involved in a Royal Rumble, who would be the last person in the ring and why? Uh, it's a hard question, question that. It's a hard question. question. Holly, you got I'm anyone? I'm just thinking of the people we've worked with. I mean, Holly, have you only worked with me and Greg? <laughs> You and Greg, I've done a po- I've done a podcast that. with Flo. I've been on the women's football one with with Lindsay and Kate. So my options are really limited. I feel like who do you think would be last out of me and Greg then? I mean, Greg hits the gym quite regularly. I so do. you couldn't tell you that. just don't brag about it. Just don't brag about it. <laughs> um, oh. I'm going to step in. I thought of somebody. Okay. Other oh, than me on. and Dan. <laughs> I reckon me that Yedinak's got to be up there, hasn't he, Dan? Oh, yeah. <gasps> yeah, he would Great be. Shout. He would be up there. I was we, going to say Connor, just because he, when there was a scrap, he was always on the scene. He liked to scrap, didn't he? I'd back me that over Connor. But Yedinak, yeah. I'm trying to think of the, He's the, definitely the most intimidating person we've interviewed. Definitely. <laughs> he's an absolute tower. Taos hits the gym quite That's, a lot nowadays yeah, in, his, in, his, in his 50s. Absolutely puts everyone else to shame. Actually, he looks better now than he did when he played. Got to be completely honest. He won't listen, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, he's in great yeah. shape. To be fair, yeah, yeah he's unbelie- unbelievable shape, Ian Taylor. The shape of his life. Fifty. I don't know how old he's. I've forgotten how old he's in his fifties. Though that's absolutely sure. Yeah, but Yedinak, I think that that does trump it. He might he might shade it with me in a Royal Rumble. Really, Yedinak, I think. Right, before we go, don't forget that 33% discount is back. You can get a third off a subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash villapod. That's it for today. The Leeds game's on Wednesday night next week, so we'll be recording the show with a reaction to what's hopefully a magnificent victory on Thursday morning, so be ready for that coming out. Cheers for now. Have a good rest of the week. Up the Villa. Athletic.